It's so good to see you. Thanks for coming, finding your way all the way down to the assembly hall. Uh, let's let's pray. Uh, thank you so much, Lord, for uh, just for your word, for your grace, for your spirit, for this church, for these friends who are here to uh, learn. We pray, God, that you would um, just plant your word in our hearts, that we might be uh, stewards of your great grace to us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. amen. Well, this is the first of a three-part series uh, called Stewards of God's Grace. It is a, a series on stewardship. I'm not going to bombard you with uh, pledge cards today, uh, so don't worry about that. We want to really, actually what we want to try to do is get a, 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 a fuller understanding of what stewardship is, because stewardship in the church is often code for its October, right? And, and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and you have to, we need your money. And if you don't give, then, then the church is going to close and then you're going to have to answer for God, to God for that. That's sort of what stewardship uh, is, a, is a code for. And we want to, we want to pull back big time uh, on that because stewardship is, is rarely talked about uh, in, in any other terms than, than money. But it's so much richer. Money is just one part of it. Uh, it is such a, uh, it's, it's about how we handle all that God has given to us. Uh, when they were translated the, translating the King James Version, and they needed a word that says, uh, we talked about someone who manages something on behalf of someone else. That is, how we manage what God has given to us that He owns. They said, well, we know what that is. That is a steward. Because that was, that was a common title then. You may know this, that... That, so the steward was sort of the CEO of the manor. The lord of the manor owned the manor, but the, uh, the, the steward managed the, the staff and the, the finances, the personnel, the property, uh, the affairs, so that the lord could go pheasant hunting and things like that. So that was, that was kind of the, the deal. But the steward was an employee. He didn't own the things that he managed, but he managed them for the good of the owner. Or he might even say the glory of the owner. And that's what Christian stewardship is. We, uh, we manage what the real owner has given to us. The, you know, the Psalms say he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Well, he, you know, he owns the, the hills too. They're, they're all his. And, um, and so, we, uh, so we think about what we, he has given to us that we manage for his good and his glory. Certainly that has to do with our money, has to do with our property. I was thinking about this thinking, what do I own that I don't think about in terms of how I can glorify God? I mean, your clothing. Do you think about clothing in terms of how you might glorify God or your choice of appliances or, or your choice of a car or your how you picking out a carpet? I mean, you know, it's been said that every... Uh, it, it, it sounds funny, but I mean, and, and especially if you're my wife. But the um, <laughs> um, the um, how we manage what God has given us is: are we doing it for His? We have to check our hearts. Are we doing it for our own glory, so people look at us, pat us on the back. Are we? Um, we we were invited up to to somebody's house uh, not long ago, their lake house. It was so great, and we just had such a good time. And it was such. I just was so grateful. That they were sharing what God's God's bounty. I was just really kind of overcome. They were sharing God's bounty that God had given them with us, and this, I felt like they were really glorifying the Lord in that. 
Um, and so it's just, it's not, not that we're having things, but we check our heart. Or do they have us? You know, those things. Uh, we, we manage uh, our career. Again, like, you know, that's a, that's a heart issue. God is, remember when uh, Pilate is speaking to Jesus and he says, don't you, re- why, are you, why aren't you talking? Don't you realize that I have the authority to, to let you go or to put you on a cross? He said, you wouldn't have any authority if I didn't give it to you. That's what it says to each of us. You wouldn't have any authority if I didn't give it to you. So how do we, how do we manage that? Um, our family. Oh my gosh, that's such a hard... I mean, if you have children, like... We're stewards of those kids. I mean, we're managing them and, and protecting them and, and, and educating them for the glory of God. Our job is to get them home, right? But uh, they don't... You know, really... It, it, I'll tell you honestly, like, it's just so hard not to think, like... Their job is to make me look good in church, and they fail me all the time. Uh, and that, so, and I get up so upset. Um, but the, uh, but really, I mean, am I managing my steward? Am I managing my wife, my parents who are here today? Um, just is it? Am I stewarding the blessing that God has given me? Uh, my own faith. I mean, you know, we say all the time, well, you, you couldn't believe in Jesus if He didn't come to you first. If He didn't plant any, how are we stewarding that? Are we? Um, so this, it's all, it's not money. It's not just money. Money's part of it, uh, but it's not just money. It's, in fact, it's money just really a little part of it. Um, so, so we don't want you, as clergy, as staff, we don't want you uh, just to give money because you're going to feel bad if you don't. I mean, we'll cash the check. Don't worry. But, we'll, um, but we, don't, we, we don't want you uh, to give just because it's your duty. Right, right. We want because uh, stewardship is much happier than that. It's much richer uh, than that. And so, in this three-week class, I'm, this, I've got the first one. Gil will teach the second one. Who's on the third one? Deborah. Deborah Layton will be the third one. Uh, we want lots of discussion. We want lots of discussion. Um, but I want to I want to uh, start with this passage in Moses um, from Deuteronomy uh, chapter three. Now, Deuteronomy is a series of uh, sermons that uh, Moses gave towards, towards the end of his. Uh, career, the end of his life, and you know, Deuteronomy means the law again, right? So it's a, it's a, uh, it's a sort of a recounting, a retelling of the forty years in the desert, and the only ones that are left that le- came out of Egypt, who were over twenty years when they came out of Egypt, twenty years old, uh, the only ones left are Moses, Joshua, and Caleb, right? Everyone else who was twenty years old or older uh, when they came out of Egypt has died. So he's preaching now to the second generation. So he's telling them the stories. And, and, and we remember, you know why they've died? Because they got up to the, to the promised land and they said, ah, we can't, we can't do it. We can't do it. We can't go in there. The, the, the people are too big. The land's beautiful, but, but it's just going to be too hard. And, uh, and so God said, well, you'll get there eventually, but you're going to have to wander for 40 days. And in fact, this generation's not going to go. Who are the two spies that went in and said, no, 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 we can do it. We've got to go in. It was Joshua and Caleb. And so God spared them. And then there's, uh, of course, there's Moses. And he reminds them as he's, as he's preaching to the second generation, he, he, up to this point, what he sort of picks up after they, he's been, after Mount Sinai, after, um, he, they've been given the Ten Commandments. And he reminds them of the reason they've been wandering in the desert, right? Their faithlessness, uh, fear, their unwillingness to trust God. Um, the tasks seem too difficult. We want to go back to Egypt. We all want to go back to Egypt. Um, and, and faithlessness, um, led to wandering. Lack of trust in God's ability to provide, uh, God's ability to pay for what He'd ordered led to wandering. And that's why this class is called the end of wandering, because we, we kind of wander 
a lot in our own faith and our own uh, trust in, in God. Uh, and yet, in the midst of their wandering, Moses recounts uh, lots and lots of episodes of God's faithfulness to them. Um, he times in that 40 years, he's delivered them from the enemies. Uh, he's prevailed on their behalf in battles, providing food and drink in the wilderness. God was with them in the midst of their wandering, in the midst of their wandering, which was a uh, consequence of their own faithlessness. God was with them the whole time. And the whole time, Moses was their leader. The whole time, Moses stood between them and the Lord. Remember, the Lord said, I'm, the, I'm done with these people, right? I'm done with them. And Moses, I'm going to wipe them out and I'm going to start over with you, Moses. And Moses, down on his face, pleads before the Lord, interceding on their behalf. And God says, okay, I'm not going to do it. Well, there's, that's the whole theology. Why did God change his mind? We can talk about that another time. But, um, but this passage that we have, after Moses has led them, interceded them, cried with them, bled with them for 40 years, sweated with them, listened to their grumbling for 40 years. This is this passage comes at the end. He's describing his interaction with the Lord as the people approach the far side of the Jordan for the second time, expecting now to reach the promised land. This is what Moses said, and I pleaded with the Lord God, the Lord, excuse me, and I pleaded with the Lord at that time saying, "O Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant, this Moses, your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth that can do such good works and mighty acts as yours? Please let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that good hill country in Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me because of you. Remember, he's speaking to the Israelites. The Lord is angry with me because of you and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, Enough from you. Do not speak to me of this matter again. Go up to the top of Pisgah and lift up your eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward and look at it with your eyes. For you shall not go over this Jordan, but charge Joshua and encourage and strengthen him. For he shall go over at the head of his people and he shall put them in possession of the land that you shall see. So, how is this a stewardship passage? I think it is. How is this? How do you see this passage? How, how, how is it a stewardship passage? God's putting them in possession. Okay. God's putting them in possession. Good. What else? The faithfulness of Moses to complete his task. There's a pleading, there's a desire okay. for Moses to do it. He's asking of God in authority right. for him to go do it. Please, Lord, let me go. It seemed kind of hard that God wouldn't would say, Don't talk to me about this again. We've been over this. <laughs> Cut it. Forget it. You're not going. I'll you can see it. Go up on the mountain. You're 120. Walk up on the mountain. Yeah, right. And um, and uh, and and if you can get back down off the mountain, that's okay too. But the um, but um, so here's why I see, I see this as a stewardship passage. Because Mo, I mean Moses, I mean, he started his career at 80 years old, burning bush. That's where he was called. And and he has 
given His life that the people, His people, would go into the promised land. And here He is on the brink. And He has to take His hands off His life and say, okay, Lord, I trust You. Because by right, I ought to be able to go over there. And I want to so bad, God. I want to go. But whatever you say, I want you, God, more than I want what I want. I trust you. So he takes his, his life, his hands off his life, takes his hand off all he's achieved, takes his hand off what he feels like he has a right to and what I feel like he has a right to, frankly. He says, I'm with you, Lord. All this belongs to you. Everything I've done, I've worked for you. And I'm not going to stop now. So, so, so Moses can confidently go before the Lord and ask Him for what He wants. And God can directly, lovingly, but directly tell Him no. And Moses can be totally, as far as he, I mean, he's, he's fallen, but he's totally obedient. Now, I don't know if he was fine with it. But he could be obedient. And not... I mean, he probably loved Joshua like a son. And yet Joshua's the one who gets to lead them into the promised land. And not him. Go and encourage Joshua. Strengthen him to do the task that you feel like you have a right to do. To trust Him and walk through that is stewardship. How is it possible? How can, other than you just say, well, he's Moses. I mean, like, but how, how can you get, how do we get, well, let me, it's not how do we get there, but how is it possible for Moses to take his hands off his life, off his achievement, off his rights? How is that possible? What do you think? Yeah? Mm-hmm. He's giving it to God. What else? Faith. faith. Pardon? Blind faith. Blind faith, okay. You can look back at his life and see how, I mean, you see the evidence of God miraculously providing when. God hadn't failed him yet, right? God, so, so, I don't see how this is right or good, but I'm, I'm with you. You've. Right. All he can see is right. So he got the blinders on, but he knows that God has, sees a lot beyond that. Okay. I think that's all right. I think where it boils down, at least for me, is that God was his treasure. God was his great, great uh, treasure. He treasures God above God's blessings. Uh, that's a that's a that's a hard place to get to. Uh, but I, and I think Amy's right. I think that. That he um, could look back over his life and, and see God's faithfulness over a long period of time and, and say, uh, yes, Lord, I 
trust. I mean, he's, he's, it's built. It wasn't just, it didn't, you know, it wasn't like he came out of faithlessness to this point. I mean, he'd walked with the Lord for a long, long, long time. But I mean, how he can agree? I mean, God, he, he's remember, he, remember why he doesn't get to go in the promised land because he struck the rock and the water, so he struck it again, and God said, "That was." I mean, like, come on, that, really? That was years ago. Like, come on, you know. But God is his treasure, and he views all he has and all he has to do through the lens of God uh, being his treasure, right? So I've asked uh, Todd Liscom to um, to share just a little testimony, um, and so you can come on up, Todd. And um, and what I've asked Todd to so you've heard of TED talks, right? Well, we're one up in that. This is a Todd talk. This is a Todd talk. And um, yeah, um, so I'm going to give this to you. Put oh, that on okay. there, and um, so I'll let you do it because you're the okay. expert. And Todd, tell us how. The Lord became your treasure. So, we, how did you move from um, getting God to work for you, that is, like, as a wage for your good works, to you delighting in God, and then when you catch yourself not treasuring God, what, what do you do in three minutes? Go. Three, that's, that's, and that's what he said. So, the, the first step, I think, is realizing that um, my decisions and my desire to get what I wanted uh, was not working out. You know, when you're 26 or you're 28 or you're 32, you know, I do this and I get that. I do this and I get that. I do this and I get that. And as a banker, as long as I did more of that, I got what I wanted. That's nice. But what happens when you don't get what you want? What happens when you don't get the child that you want? What happens when you don't get the house that you want? What, ha- what happens when you appear to see everyone else getting what they want, but you don't get what you want. And so the first step, I think, for me was recognizing that it's not about what I want. It's about what he wants in me. And so the first step of that is understanding for me that God was not an additive. If you all like coffee like I do, he's not the sweetener. He is the coffee. What I was doing when I was younger is I was just taking a little bit of him and going, okay, I'll add you to it. And if I add you to it, I'll get more of what I want. See, it was I was using him instead of him, myself, allowing me to be used by him. So that was step one. I think the second thing is what I want to read from Scripture, which is from the Gospel of John, which is chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. And this is when I realized that, um, you know, Jesus was for me. Like, really? I mean, like me, personally me, uh, to the Jews that, who had believed him and I had believed Jesus. OK, I believe him, but that's about it. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. So if I believed him, he was charging me now to be taught by him, to learn from him, to listen to him, so much so that in verse 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And that truth is that I love you no matter what you've done or what you're not going to do. Moses, I love you anyway. So when I began to realize that Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. And if you realize a couple more of those stanzas are even deeper about the fact I'm ill and weak. But he loves me in the middle of that anyway. 
So that transition then moved me into the third part, which is what Joe mentioned earlier about trust. And that third part is realizing the work of the Holy Spirit in changing and molding and shaping me. And I'll use, I can, I can actually quote this one because it's my favorite verse. But it's in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. See, what's interesting is what I realized is that all of my paths were really crooked. But when I put him at the forefront, they became really straight. It was like the old Christmas thing. Put one foot in front of the other. You don't think about anything else. You just think about the next foot. And so trusting in the Lord allowed me now to receive the work of the Holy Spirit that was guiding and directing, knowing that I'm loved by Jesus and that God has a bigger plan for my life than I do. I don't know if that's been three minutes. Yeah, yeah, thank you. So, uh, so when, when you uh, are, tell, tell me, when, when you try, I mean, is you just sort of return to that? Is there any steps that yeah, you steps do? Yeah, steps is, I'm sorry, yeah, you asked yeah. the second question. What do I do to return back? Uh, I'm a journaler. Started journaling about 10 years ago. Uh, when I transitioned from the banking business to what I do now in a parachurch ministry, I wanted to capture thoughts and issues, and I wanted to write to him. And it was very intimate. And so what I do is I refer back to those writings. I've got about nine journals now. And I'll read things that I thought I was really, this is, I, I'm not comfortable with this. I got to make a decision about that. It's amazing how it then revealed itself later on. So I read my own notes. And then the second thing that I do is typically when I'm in the middle of a decision, I go to Proverbs. And there are 31 chapters of the book of Proverbs. There's 31 days in most months. So what I have a tendency to do is read the chapter of Proverbs related to the, month, the day of the month. And it provides kind of, and actually if you look in my notes in the Bible, I've got a date next to many verses. And it's because that verse hit me on that particular day. And then the third thing I do is I really go into my knees in prayer. And I don't say, I, I listen. I go to my knee and I, just, I, I receive. I take my hands like I did this morning in preparing for today out on the deck. And, and the, the, breeze, the breath of God, the wind of the Holy Spirit, the, the breeze was through the trees, and I just felt, okay, I know that you have something to say. I don't. So use me however you want to be able to say this. In the midst of the fact that my daughter's on the way back to Ole Miss for her senior year with my wife, and my other daughter's texting me trying to figure out how to get to me, and I need to talk to you all. So, you know, distractions happen all the time, and I think the presence of God, is one of those things that I find in silence, not in the TV, not in the Wall Street Journal, not in Joe's sermons. No offense to Joe. It's in the presence and the quiet and stillness of God. Oh, you. thank you. So let's look at um, Matthew, just, just one verse in Matthew, parable of the. Um, hidden treasure. I'll just read it on the page. This is Jesus. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. So the kingdom is the treasure. Right? The kingdom is the treasure. And he's digging in the field. He finds he finds this incredible 
treasure. Dig, 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 sweat, toil, clink, find something, digs it up. Oh my gosh. Puts it back in the ground, buries it, runs out, and sells everything he has. Sells everything joyfully. You've read this. Did you? You've read this parable before. Did you pass? Did you like I did? Did you scoot over the word joy? Joyfully, like he can't wait. He's at the garage sale. He's like, come on, come on. You know what are you? Like, come on. He's on eBay. He's he's selling everything he's got with joy. He can't wait till he finally has enough to go and buy the field because man, he knows none of it is worth worth close to what he's about to get uh, by buying this field. Not because of the dirt, but because of what's in it, what's down in it, with joyful, it's worth everything. It's not begrudging. Like, he's not, there's no like, well, I guess I gotta sell my china. You know, I guess I gotta sell the truck. Like, he's like, get rid of that thing, is everything must go. Like, cause I can get this. It's worth everything. It's not saying that you need to go and sell everything. It's, it's saying that you should, um, no, I was gonna make a silly joke, but anyway, what it, it's not worth it. Um, what you what what you need to, to do is treasure God because He's He's worth so much more. I mean, I don't know about you, but I put my uh, I mean, I love God more than anything. I think, but then I think, well, what if I lost this or that or my house or my kids or my wife? I mean, like, what if what if those things that I take security got taken away from me? But one of the things that's been coming back to me over and over again, and this passage has been no except, uh, exception. But uh, is that if, and I hope I don't lose any of those things. I, I really, I hope I don't lose any of those things. But um, if I have Jesus and lose everything but Jesus, I still have far more than if I have all those things but don't have Jesus. He is our treasure. So the man is, he's glad to give it up. Because he knows it's worth nothing compared to the thing he's about to get. He's getting a steal of a deal, right? This has to be where stewardship starts. Not just money. With your life. It's not about what you ought to give. It's about who you love. <laughs> you know, it's... it's. Um, I mean, we know that, that we're not going to get all the way there. I mean, there's, there's going to be competing... Passions and and desires and and sin coming up and and um, we'll take our eye off the ball sometimes. We know that, but we begin to trust. We begin to walk down that road towards Jesus and our treasure. Uh, I'll give a a, a John Piper illustration. Um, so uh, last night was our uh, anniversary, and. Um, it was it was wonderful, but John Piper tells this story. He's, it's just an illustration. He says, um, "If I, it's our anniversary, and uh, and I, his wife loves purple, and so he goes and gets uh, it's their 40th anniversary. Gets 40 purple roses. It's kind of hard to find, you know, and um and and, and it's special. And instead of uh, walking up." Um, the door, you know, coat on the chair like normally does, rings the doorbell. Ding dong, you know, opens the door. John, what are you doing? For your roses. I love you, honey. I didn't give you any roses yesterday, but I, it was in my heart. But the, um, <laughs> um, the, um, 
the um, I gave you what you wanted though. Yeah. So um, the um, that's, never mind. Anyway, um, the um, the um, <laughs> Charles, if you're listening, please edit that last comment. Um, the uh, the um, so um, so gosh, John, thanks so much. Why did you do it? Now here's the moment, right? Because I was supposed to. It's my duty. I read the book. It's what I, the book said I was supposed to do. Slam the door in the face, right? I mean, like, just, I mean, like, so, rewind, ding dong. What are you doing? Happy anniversary. Oh, John, they're beautiful. Why did you do it? Because I love you. I couldn't help myself. I wanted to make you happy. And I delight in, in your joy. And, you know, he, he goes on, he says, like, she's not going to say, what do you mean you delight in my joy? You, you, you. It's all about you, right? Yeah, you're always making it about... No, like she wouldn't dare say that. She was just, oh, thank you so much. So then what he does with the illustration, he says, okay, church, ding dong, God opens the door. Oh, why are you here? It's Sunday morning, what are you doing? It's my duty. It's what Christians are supposed to do. You know, like... (laughs) Ding dong. Why are you here? Because I love you. I can't help myself. I'm here to worship you. You're my treasure. You're the thing that I prize above all other things. Come on in. I mean, it's just it's, I, I, it's powerful to me. We ought to delight in God. Seek pleasure. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say lustily, but I want to say like just, just going after pleasure, like the pleasure you were designed for, with the joy of the of the man who finds the the treasure in the field, who, who wants to just I'm giving away everything I got because of this thing that's going to be so much more valuable. When we come to church on Sunday morning. We don't come as we start to. I mean, now listen, we're having if we're having trouble in our marriage, then um then uh, then and I, it's our anniversary, and maybe it's my duty to give. And maybe that's a good start. Maybe that's a good place to go. Like I just, it's better than not doing it, right? When I gave Amy those real, those coffee mugs that she'd really been wanting, <laughs> that's what it was. It was awesome coffee mugs. So uh, that's what I'm talking about. Um, but if, uh, but, um, but the, uh, the, um, <laughs> but if, if sometimes duty is important. And listen, there's a lot of times duty is really important. Right? I mean, you know, thank goodness for duty for, for men and women who serve our country and do their duty for people who pay their taxes so that we can have roads to drive on. It's a, it's their, it's their duty. We, we're, but, but a loving relationship is not built on duty or it's not, it's not reveled in. Maybe a place where you've got to go sometimes, but, but, but where we want to get to is a place of treasure. He's our great treasure. Now, why? It's because He treasures you. It's the cross. 
Then he looked at you and, and said, you're my great... So, this, so the next parable is the, is the one with the oyster. Do you remember that? The, where where the, the guy goes and, and um, sell, finds the oyster, the pearl of great price. What's always struck me, a lot of people say, well, this, this is the same parable retold because the, 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 king, the kingdom of heaven is like the treasure, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who gives up. No, no, no. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure is a totally different thing than saying the kingdom of heaven is like a man. The man, in the, in the second parable, the parable of the treasure, let me just get to it and read it. How am I doing? I've got, still got some time. That's, that's awesome. Um, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all he had and bought it. So the first is the kingdom, is the great treasure, and the man sells everything he has to get that treasure. But you would think the next pearl would be the kingdom is like a pearl. But it's not. It's like a merchant who gave up everything he had for the pearl of great price. And God gave, looked at you and you're His pearl of great price. Not because of your value, but because of the value He's put on you. And He gave up everything He had to sold it all to get you. Not because it was His duty. Ding dong. Because you know, He loves you. And that's... We... We can need to get to a place in our own Christian discipleship where to live as Christ and to die as gain. That, um, and that's, that's, that's the end goal. And I don't want to soft pedal it like, oh, we know you're not going to get there. Like, like, that's the goal. That's where we're moving. We're not moving there for any other reason and that's what He did for us. Like, it's, our, it's grace. It's drenched with grace. And it's joy. Remember this. It's, it's, it's joy to get there. So nice to be unburdened by all this stuff and to treasure what he treasures and to have that loving uh, relationship above all else. Money comes easy after that. Money comes easy after that. He's a treasure. So let's talk. I don't even know where. I got away. I started preaching. I got away from my notes. Um, <laughs> How do we get there? How do we begin to walk down that road? What do you think? Give me some give me some thoughts on how, how we begin to walk down that road. This is a thought when you said no By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, mm-hmm. for he was looking to the reward. So he, there's some answers there. I don't know. Yeah. So he considered the reproach of Christ greater than what? What does it say? The treasures. The treasures. Yeah. Of Egypt. So he try, he prized, you know, and so the author of Hebrews uh, puts Christ on Moses' belief, but in in sort of we we can do that in biblical theology. Um, and and so he treasured what he what the promise of God, but it was because he re- he was rehearsing the gospel to himself, right? I mean, he just went back to that gospel. Like Todd said, I would go back and read my journal, see God's faithfulness. So that's good. What else? How can we begin to get there as Christian disciples? Prayer. Prayer. Yeah. I mean, just listen, talk. I mean, I love that Moses can confidently say. 
I know you said I'm not going in, but I, oh, I want to so bad. I love. I mean, he's so confident in his relationship with God, and yet he can, and yet he, he can, he can be told no. Like that's okay. That's a, God's. God's the one who has the rights, not not him. He takes his hand off. What else can we do? I think it really helps to reflect on the past mm-hmm. you know, and what he has provided in so many different ways that you really didn't have either a role in or had a you know, our children are even ours. Mm-hmm. He gave them to us. Mm-hmm. We didn't produce them. We didn't desire for them to be a certain way. He chose to do that. So I think when we when we begin to be grateful as to what he has given us, it allows us then to react with a heart of similar gratefulness to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's really going back and, and, and I think deeper and deeper and deeper understanding what... Um, uh, what God has given to us in Himself that creates that. But we, there are things we can do to, to structure our lives in a way that, that we don't just have to rely on the discipline of our own hearts to recall that. I mean, things like small groups, prayer groups, uh, are great ways to sort of work into the rhythm of your life so that you have a place to go and, and that you can sort of recall that easily. If you're one of those, somebody who likes to get up early and have just sort of a morning routine or an evening, you know, whatever it is to be in Scripture. But I don't do good just, I don't do nearly as well with Scripture reading just having, so what do I feel like today? Like having a plan to go through kind of keeps me on task. Bible in a year might take me four years, but I mean, just have knowing what I'm going to read next is really helpful for me. So structuring ourselves so that we give ourselves, again, not, I mean, do we, not as not a, a law that is burdensome, but as a guideline that is uh, part of God's grace to us, that we can stay in the rut, uh, in a, in, I mean that in a good way, stay in the rut of of um, uh, that discipline of rehearsing the gospel uh, to ourselves. So I think there's good things like that. Um, but serving and giving, uh, giving ourselves, giving our money, puts us. It does. That, that's a good rhythm to get in because it puts us. But again, not as not not in order to gain God's favor or so the ship's not so the ship doesn't go down, uh, but out of joy what He's given to us. So it really starts with with treasuring Him. Yeah, Amy. I just want to just to recap and make sure I'm not, I don't have to But um, so when you're talking about can't imagine have you gotten distracted by anything? I can't imagine. <laughs> um, Absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah, so so yeah, we back up from what we're supposed to do, you know, to what he's done for us, which is an objective pull it all down. That's take it all away. That's going to be there. That's not the foundation. So, and build up from there, right? And Joe, there's a good one. We didn't talk about this, but what about time? What do we do with the 24 hours of the day that we have? Um, How do we spend that? And each of us probably do things that are a waste. They're just not glorifying Him. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole different subject matter. Yeah, no. I think think as we get captivated by culture in all that, it drains us Mm -hmm. from the thankfulness that we actually have. Right. And, and we think it's going to be a relief, or we think it's going to be a form of entertainment, but it's not. It actually is more of a drain to what the world really looks like and the need for us to spend more time with Him. Yeah. Well, I expect that we'll get there in the next couple of weeks. Uh, uh, any, Gil, any quick preview over next next week? Are we there yet to have a... Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, good. All right, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thanks so much that you have seen fit to treasure us. To sell everything you had in, in terms of your your son's life, uh, that you might capture us, help us to treasure you, and uh, and when we when we can't, when it feels more like duty to rehearse what you've done for us, uh, give us that grace. Uh, we pray this by your Spirit. Let us love you more than we love anything else. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.